Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I want to talk about faith and prayer and how they relate to each other. Looking at Mark chapter 11, verses 20 to 25. This is a follow-up from last week, looking where we looked at the cursing of the fig tree. Um, there are seven points that um, Jesus makes here about faith and prayer. And I'm just going to list, list these right now, and then we're going to look at them together based on this scripture. Have faith um, without doubting. Three, believing. Four, pray. And five, ask. Then we have believe again. Um, the six, receive. And then seven, forgive. And so this is like a seven-point like prayer protocol, you could say. And, um, you know, in some commentaries see this as almost like a mini catechism about, about prayer. So um, let's look at the context, though. So right in verse 20, it says that, um, As they, that is the disciples and Jesus, were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. So this is this reminding that you know Peter remembering was remembering the previous day, where they um, left the Mount of Olives and they headed down um, into Jerusalem, and on their way, Jesus is hungry and he sees a fig tree, and um, but it's not the season for figs, but um, he finds nothing but leaves on it um, because it wasn't the season, and he says says to it. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. So he didn't actually say, I curse you or anything. But uh, Peter interprets this as a curse. And um, and then he pays, he notices um, that it's withered. And um, we're not going to talk about that again, why that fig tree was withered. Um, maybe I can just remind you that it has to do with Jesus, um, like symbolically, cursing this whole sacrificial system of the temple. And um, this happens right prior to his uh, casting out, driving all, all the money changers and uh, out of the temple and overturning their tables and everything. And then um, right after that, he makes statements about prayer. And he says, um, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. And, um, and that leads the chief priests and the scribes when they hear this to seek to destroy Jesus. Um, and, uh, but they don't at that moment because they're afraid of the crowd who are all astounded at his teaching. But anyway, this happens inside the temple, inside Jerusalem. And then um, in this next section, it is taking place outside of J Jerusalem, you know, outside of the temple. And here, um, in the first case, we were seeing Jesus confronting you know, the, those that are the money changers and those that were selling doves and then um, dealing with the chief priests and the scribes who oppose him. And now, though, we have Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. And so, interestingly, the teaching about prayer happens outside of, outside of the temple, outside of the walls. And it, in some ways, in many ways, I think this represents Jesus actually talking about prayer outside of that whole religious system of you know, that was excluding the nations, you know, the non-Jews. And so this is super important for us um, 
you know, assuming that we're non-Jews, but for Jews as well. Here we have teaching um, that's directed at disciples. And so Jesus is going to now respond about, um, you know, to what Peter has noticed about this fig tree. But he doesn't talk about the fig tree. Instead, he goes directly into this teaching about faith and prayer. Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him, or literally it will be, it will be for him. Um, so there's uh, a lot of these, these, some of the first like three or four of the prayer points that are right in these verses here. So the first thing Jesus says then is, have faith in God. And that's my first point. So here we have the word, just the, the verb have, and then the, the noun in, in Greek, apistis, uh, which is faith, and then, and then theos, God. Have faith in God. So what is Jesus suggesting here? Is faith something that we can, like, ha have it, you guys? Like, receive it almost like as, as something that we, we, we can take and, and, and run with? You know, that's one possible way of reading this, okay? Um, one thing to think of is that faith has definitely, like, two sort of dimensions that we can see in the way it's used in the scriptures. One is that it has to do with like believing in, um, you know, having agreement about, about, you know, with, about truths, like say we choose to have faith that Jesus reveals the father and that Jesus is the savior of the world. And, uh, you know, some of the core, uh, aspects of the good news. That would be one aspect of faith, having faith in the, these truths that have been revealed, you know, in the Gospels and, you know, through God's revelation. Um, the second point could be faith as a charism that is given by Jesus Christ, you know, to us and as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we have an example of that in this, this way of talking about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 you know, where there's a list of all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? So we have um, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are word of wisdom, you know, word of knowledge. Um, let's see, to some are given, to another faith by the same Spirit. Okay, this is First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. To another, the gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the, the distinguishing of spirits to another various kinds of tongues. So here we have faith mentioned as one of the gifts of the Spirit, which um, is something that is a manifestation, but it's it's a gift that is given to us. And and yet it's also something that according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, can be um, pursued. So uh, Paul writes, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, um, or literally desire earnestly like the spiritual or spiritual things, but especially that you may prophesy. And uh, but here we can then desire, um, earnestly desire uh, the gift of faith. And um, and so having faith would be maybe um, you know kind of stepping into receiving that faith as as a gift. So have faith in God, and really um, that is what is required if we're going to get. Um, if we're going to pray, you know, we've got to be able to have faith in God. I was uh, in the jail 
two different times this last week. Uh, and in both cases, I met with people that really knew nothing about uh, faith in God or, or, or anything about Jesus or the Bible. And um, when I asked them about it, whether they had any kind of experience with the Bible or with faith in, in, in Christ, they, they were like, no, you know, I, we, I grew up with nothing. I'm not knowing anything. And I, I asked the one guy, do you believe in God? He goes, um, no. And I said, well, do you, you feel like you need God? And he says, um, well, no, I, I don't. Um, so it's hard to pray when you don't believe in God and you don't feel like you need God. Um, but he had just told me about his situation and, and it was a desperate situation where, you know, he really needed um, a, a, a defender, a public defender or a private attorney because um, he says, look, I, I'm guilty of these three charges, but there's one charge that is the most grave charge, which uh, is, you know, could land me up to 220 months in prison that um, that I'm not guilty of. Um, I'm, I'm freely admitting these other three, but there's one that I, I just can't admit. But my my public defense attorney, the public defen defender, will not take this to trial. He wants, she wants me to accept a plea bargain, you know, for 200 months. And I said, okay, so um, after, you know, I was talking about, you know, God and whether he believed in God, um, I said, well, or whether he needed God, I said, so it sounds like you um, maybe could benefit from, you know, someone who has, uh, you know, a, who's a better better attorney, say, than your, your public defender. And of course, he couldn't afford anyone beyond just a, a state-appointed attorney. And he said, yes, definitely, um, I, I need someone who has more authority or more power than my public defender. So I said, okay, well, so you do have a need for some something more powerful than what you have. And he says, yes. And I said, okay, um, so in the Gospels, we see that Jesus in his first sermon, you know, he's presented as the son of God who comes to reveal the father, you know, the creator of the world. And the first thing he says is the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to set the prisoners free. So if it's true that, um, that Jesus is God in the flesh and he came to set the prisoners free and he could set you free, would you feel a need for him? And he said, yes, definitely. So you, if God is a God who hears the voice of the, of those that are crying out, who are the poor and the oppressed and, and prisoners and people that are unjustly, um, being held in jail like you, um, if that God actually exists and that God is revealed in Jesus, then you, you, you do say then that you do need him. And he says, yes, I do. I, I definitely would need him. And so anyway, at that point, I just shared a little bit more about how I saw, how I saw Jesus, you know, being an advocate for, you know, for people who didn't even, um, you know, who didn't believe who were sinners, who were criminals and, and how he came for, you know, the lost and the broken and the excluded. And, um, and he was called a friend of sinners. And he, um, you know, he was crucified between two criminals. And um, that's where he received his death penalty. And anyway, um, the more I talked, uh, then I then I said, so, um, 
he asked me about prayer. What is prayer? And I said, well, prayer is just conversing with God and uh, talking with God like you would just tell God whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking. Um, yeah, it's weird because you can't see God. And, uh, and of course, if you're praying to Jesus, it's the same thing. Um, you know, Jesus came in the flesh. He lived and he died. And scripture says that he raised from the dead. And I believe that's true. But he's still invisible. And the Holy Spirit is invisible. So you're speaking to an invisible God. That's what prayer is. And also that God speaks to us. And, uh, and so, and you don't have to do it out loud. You can do it in your head and you don't have to close your eyes. And he goes, oh, good. So um, anyway, I was able to talk with him just about um, whether he wanted to try that out and to, and to pray. And, um, and he was willing, he wanted to try and he prayed and it was just, it was just beautiful. And, and I had the same experience with a woman, uh, three or four days later who just like this guy had no exposure to anything Christian or had never prayed, never been to church. Um, and I, I had, she wanted me to explain, you know, the whole story of, um, you know, just from Genesis all the way to, you know, to, to Jesus and, you know, the, the New Testament. And, and, and I led her also in um, an act of, of just uh, like faith, of having faith in God. She recognized too that she really needed God. She was looking at uh, over 200 months, um, like a prison sentence, a very serious, for serious charges. So she also prayed. And so really having faith in God is required um, if you're going to pray. And so I think that's why Jesus starts here with the basics. And um, all over in the Gospels, we have this term, uh, Pistis, faith, being used in, in just uh, really beautiful ways. You know, Jesus uh, refers to people uh, who come to him seeking healing. Um, he, he says, like to a woman who, you know, who comes to him, uh, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, um, he says to an, uh, another man who's blind, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. These are all people that came to Jesus, you know, asking for healing. Uh, the disciples in Luke 17, 5, um, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And, um, and the Lord says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. So once again, I don't think Jesus is suggesting we cast trees or mountains into the sea, but it's it's like he's really wanting to say that even a little bit of faith in this case is enough to actually speak, um, you know, speak into situations where there's uh, huge blocks. So let's keep going and look then, look at the next aspect of what Jesus is saying here. So Jesus says to them then, in response to Peter noticing that the fig tree has been cursed. Uh, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be for him. So why is Jesus giving an example like this of saying to a mountain, be cast into the sea? Um, you know, I, I just can't imagine ever wanting a mountain to be cast into the sea. I mean, I'm a mountain climber. I love climbing mountains. I would never ever think of having a, you know, casting any of these beautiful mountains in the North Cascades into the 
Pacific Ocean. You know, um, this this just doesn't work for me. However, when I think about it differently, when I think, okay, um, the disciples are now are just noticing this fig tree, which had leaves on it before, but no figs because it wasn't the season. And they saw Jesus say, may no one ever eat from you again. And that, then the next day they notice it's withered all the way um, from its roots up. Okay, um, Jesus doesn't want them to be distracted by that um, and to think, okay, well, wow, I'm going to try this out. You know, let's try cursing this this other fig tree or this, you know, or whatever it might be that they would run into out and about as they're traveling along. Like, it's not about parlor tricks. It's it's more like I think Jesus is saying, look, you could even say to, to big things that are just monumental issues and problems like mountains, okay, uh, like be cast into the sea and it will, uh, and these situations will, you know, will, will disappear in a way, right? And so in our church on Sunday, I was asking people, what would be examples of mountains that you need uh, to be removed and to just uh, be cast away from you uh, to a place where they just won't bother you anymore? And people said, oh, you know, like uh, addictions. And uh, we have a huge opioid, opioid crisis in our valley here. And there's been so many overdose deaths, especially from fentanyl. And um, it's just quite disturbing. And a lot of our people have been affected by that. And so that's one of the issues. It's just that, um, you know, the addiction to fentanyl and to methamphetamines. Um, another thing that people brought up was our criminal justice system. And our prison system, how we're just warehousing people and uh, they're not getting any rehabilitation and or treatment in those facilities. They're just doing their time and coming out and uh, and then finding themselves before another huge obstacle, which is that they have a lot of debt from being in prison and then they have um, no housing and housing is so expensive and so hard to come by. And if you're a felon, it's even harder to be accepted. Uh, to, you know, you can't, you try to fill out an application and be accepted into any kind of housing situation that's quite difficult or finding work, you know, jobs that pay well enough to be able to afford life one hour north of Seattle where uh, things are increasingly expensive because our beautiful agricultural valley here has become like a bedroom community for Amazon workers and Boeing and, you know, and who knows who else from some of these Fortune 500 companies in, in the Seattle area. So, it's super expensive to live here. Other mountains would include just um, diabetes. A lot of people struggle with that or, you know, mental health issues that just seem um, so, so difficult. And um, homelessness, you know, we have a chronic issue of homelessness in our area or larger issues like global warming and really the threat of, uh, to our whole planet of just, uh, you know, the heating up of our, of our system, of our, of our world here and, and all the havoc that that's creating or the war in Ukraine or, or situations like, um, just the, the threat of nuclear annihilation that, um, you know, as things escalate with Russia and so mountains really, uh, we need to think about, uh, what they might be for us. Like what would be some of the big mountains that you, uh, would like to see removed and cast into the sea? I think that's what Jesus is saying, the example that he's giving here. And so here Jesus uh, goes on to this. this so the first point is, um, okay, have faith in God. Second one is, um, you know, do not doubt in your heart. 
right? So um, when we look at um, just that whole word of doubting, you know, that is um, a word diacrino, which actually means to withdraw from, to hesitate, or even to judge carefully. Okay, so Jesus says, just to remind you, um, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, you know, say the criminal justice system, the, un the injustice of it, or, or just the, the hatred between Republicans and Democrats in our country, or just the rise of Christian nationalism, whatever it might be, you know, be taken up and cast into the sea, whoever says that, and does not doubt in his heart. Okay, so doubting in your heart would be withdrawing from, you know, like, uh, like faith, hesitating, doubting, judging carefully what you're even saying, like, like in second thought, what am I even saying? How could I, in my, how could I say to this mountain, this problem, you know, be gone from me right now in Jesus name. Um, Jesus here is saying, look, um, we don't want to doubt, you know, doubting in our heart is what causes, uh, undermines faith. And some examples would this be, um, would, of this would be say Romans 4 20 says, yet with respect to the promise of God, he, that is Abraham, did not waver in unbelief. And that waver, that word waver is the same word as diacrino, to, to doubt. Did not doubt in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Or James 1, 6, but he must ask in faith. This is the person that's asking for wisdom, right? Without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that person expect to receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded person, unstable in all of his ways. So um, so then, uh, that's the second one then. Do not doubt in your heart. The third point that Jesus says is believe. Okay? Like, um, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be for him. Okay, so this is the verb, uh, pisteuo to believe. And we have this as just a core uh, value in the Gospels, the importance of believing rather than disbelieving. You know, unbelief is something that really subverts faith and undermines, you know, any kind of confidence in God. And, um, you know, we see that Jesus is affirming people, like he says to the centurion who asks um, that Jesus would... Um, even speak uh, from a distance that his uh, servant would be healed. And Jesus says, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So, um, you know, Jesus marveled at this centurion, this pagan uh, Gentile guy, this Roman who actually modeled more faith because he, you know, he says, I'm not worthy. Uh, but, um, but at, a, at your word, you could say to, you know, be, you could say the word and my servant would be healed. So this guy's faith was that Jesus could even heal his servant, even though he was unworthy. And um, we see other examples of Jesus. Uh, you know, he comes and blind men come to him and, uh, and they ask, um, or he asks them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, um, Lord. And he heals the blind man. And Jesus says in Matthew 21, 22, and all things that you ask in prayer, believing that you will receive them, right? Is um, So like asking and believing go together and, um, you know, having faith in God, not doubting and believing all relate to one another. Um, 
Mark 1, 15, first thing that Jesus uh, is described as saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And um, anyway, so there's so many other examples. This is, this is just, um, you know, a beautiful, um, you know, beautiful term to look up and just to do a study with a concordance, you know, pisteuo, a final one, Mark 16, 16. The one who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but the one who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. Um, in my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. And, and he goes on. So um, so anyway, um, let's move on to number four, which is um, when Jesus, he continues. I'm going to read the next verse. Um, so verse 24, this is Mark eleven twenty-four. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you or they will be for you, plural, be for you, plural. So let's look at those terms now. We have a couple more words here. Pray. Okay, now here we have um, prosukomai, which is the same term that we saw earlier when Jesus um, after he'd driven out those that were, uh, you know, the money changers and the seats overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he wasn't allowing anyone who was carrying merchandise through the temple. And then he says to them, as he teaches, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Okay. So now we have that same term, prayer, pray. Um, this is something that Jesus models throughout his, um, you know, his ministry, Mark 1, 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And uh, Mark 6, 46, he left for the mountain to pray. Um, Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. I mean, that's our text for right now. Mark 12, um, 40, Mark 13, 8, but pray. Um, you know, Jesus is urging people to pray over and over. Uh, Mark 14, 32, and they came to the place named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I prayed. And then he also says, you know, watch and pray that you won't fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak or keep watching and praying. Right. And um, so we have other examples of that. Um, Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And when this in, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So praying is speaking to God. It's communicating with God. It's, it's different than um, here. We, the second term we have is ask. So pray and ask. You know, sometimes we think of prayer as just asking, right? But, but prayer is actually conversing with God and God speaks back. And so, you know, this is something that I think it's it's really important to learn to practice, you know, like um, just spontaneous communicating to God, like uh, Paul talks about praying at all times in the spirit. I mean, here that's even praying with our spirit, you know, um, like, like letting our spirit really, uh, letting it loose to really communicate um, our spirit to spirit with the Holy Spirit. And um, with groanings too deep for words, Paul says. And 
and as we are um, communicating with God and just and maybe lamenting and uh, expressing all of our pain, all of our our heartfelt emotion about situations we're going through, our grief, our our frustration, our our anger, our our irritations, our sadness, our joys, you know, our worship. I mean, prayer includes all of these things. It's it's really communicating from the place that we're at now. And, um, and, it, and it requires faith. And then the next term, five, is ask, you know, um, Jesus says. So imagine this, like Jesus begins this, you know, this, this uh, call to pray and ask with, um, you know, he says, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them and they will be granted, they will be for you, they will be to you. So, um, so there we go. Asking is also important. We, we need to be able to just ask, make our requests be made known to God, right? Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And um, I always uh, remark here that it doesn't say here that uh, that will that we will receive what we ask for. It says, "Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find." It doesn't say you're going to find what you're seeking for. Uh, I think the assumption is is that what we, what will be given to us and what we will find and what will be open to us will be will be better than than even what we can think that we need. Okay, but um, you know, in Mark eleven, it's it's actually more um, you know sort of. A, of an assurance that we're gonna we're gonna actually receive what we ask for. Okay, it's 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 kind of more precise or or you know um, it's bold in the sense that Jesus is is just uh, going out on a limb here and saying like whatever you ask will be given to you, right? Um, so in Mark Matthew eighteen nineteen, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask. It will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Okay, that's uh, anything that they may ask. Wow. Okay, if we do we try this out? You know, are we stepping into this? Are we experiencing this? Matthew twenty one twenty two. And all things that you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. And, um, and there's many more usages of that term, ask. Okay. Um, like John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Or John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And um, Or John 16, 23, in that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. Um, or John 20, 16, 26. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. That's because we can ask directly, right? And, um, and then look at this sixth point, okay? So we're, we're praying, and we're asking, and then... Um, Jesus says, um, believe again. Okay, we've, we've looked at that verb already, pisteuo. Believe that you have received them. Okay, 
So receiving is also something that we're supposed to um, to actually position ourselves to, um, you know, like through our actually anticipating it through through active faith, we're we're to open ourselves. Um, this term lambano means to receive. Um, it can also mean to take. But um, let's look at some of the usages of this. Um, Matthew seven eight. For everyone who asks receives. Okay, the same term. Um, Matthew ten eight. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Okay, so we receive these charisms and we receive uh, the Holy Spirit, and then we receive freely and we give freely. Jesus uh, says to his disciples that everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or father farms for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Or Matthew 21, 22, and all things that you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So that is the primary way that we really um, enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something that needs to be received. It's not something that we can seize. It's not something we can buy, we can earn, we can um, take possession of its... Um, the kingdom of God is something that is is given to the saints. Okay, so um, prayer is a posture of where we position ourselves, and you know we choose to have faith in God uh, without doubting, and we believe, and we pray, and we ask, and believing that we will receive, um, and um, and receiving really is not just about receiving things. I I love. John 1, 12, where, um, you know, John, at the beginning of John, it talks about how the, the word was with God and the word is light and, and life. And um, he comes to illuminate everybody. And uh, he, he comes into the world. The world doesn't recognize him. He comes to his own people. His own people don't receive him. But as many as receive him, you know, the light, the truth, the logos, Jesus, to them he gave the authority to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. So it's that relationship of receiving uh, Jesus himself that is our entry point into authority. You know, the authority that we have as children of God, it's it's how we become children of God. Um, for of his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. Um, and the Spirit is, is, is the way that we receive um, also from God, John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and, and will be in you. So we receive the spirit. You know, Jesus uh, breathes on his disciples in John 20, 22 and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So, wow, that is so powerful. And um, and there's many other scriptures re related to that. Um, you know, um, throughout the Gospels, throughout Acts, we have, you know, the, the, the Peter and, and Paul and others are, are inviting people to receive the Holy Spirit. And... Um, and, and they are entering into empowered ministry that is 
very much like the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus, once they receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, Acts 2.33, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. That's what Peter says in his sermon um, at Pentecost, right? And then he invites people um, in verse 38, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's number six, and now let's look at um, number seven. So we're in this place where we're, um, we're practicing uh, prayer, you know, um, having faith in God, you know, receiving that faith, not doubting, believing, uh, praying, asking, believing, you know, not doubting, um, receiving. And, um, and then Jesus says at the very end, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who's in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. And so um, this is something that I, I've just been really noticing. Like when I'm really in a place where I'm just crying out to God and I'm, I'm interceding and I'm praying, um, you know, I I find myself just naturally doing this. I, but I, I think we need to be reminded of this, and that's why Jesus brings it up. And I like that he doesn't start with forgiveness because it, this doesn't come natural to us. It's it's really quite difficult. It's it's like forgiveness is um, is mentioned at the end because because I think when we're in this communion with God and we're you know we're you know we're having faith, we're you know we're uh, not doubting, we're believing, we're praying, we're asking. You know, we're in a place of communion um, where we're receiving, and that puts us in a posture where you know we're more able to actually forgive because we're in a receiving posture of receiving the grace upon grace. And um, but forgiveness is an essential aspect of prayer. You know, I like that it's not the entry point because that would be so difficult, wouldn't it? A lot of people. If they're just asked to forgive right from the start, it's like, wow, it just seems so unfair that this, whoever they're going to forgive just gets that right, you know, right for nothing. And so many doubts and questions could come up if you start with forgiveness, but forgiveness is, is number seven and it's essential. You know, whenever you stand praying, forgive. And so let's, let's try to practice that, you know, like, um, who is it that we're annoyed with, uh, today? Who is it that is like, an enemy that's 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 just a, a difficult person from our past, you know. Uh, the Holy Spirit will bring these people up, and we can ask the Spirit to show us, you know, who we need to really release from our judgments. And the word "forgive" literally means to drop, you know, our charge, to drop our stones. And so let's let's try to practice this. And you know, in some of the manuscripts, you even have an additional, um, like, statement of Jesus in. In my Bible, it's verse 26 of Matthew 11. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. So, wow. It's like Jesus really wants us to take this seriously. So, let's try to practice these seven prayer um, practices and um, that Jesus taught his disciples. And um, let's see what happens. And I believe that when we practice the faith in an active way and with precision, even basing our lives on the teachings of Jesus, you know, we're going to see a lot more breakthrough. 
and our faith is going to grow and um, we're going to see mountains uh, being cast into the sea and we're going to, um, you know, we're going to see the kingdom of God come in greater power and, um, and we're going to see people's hearts turned in, um, you know, in adoration and in amazement, just like um, that's described in the gospel accounts where people are just amazed by when they witness uh, Jesus out and about, you know, um, proclaiming the good news. So let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be able to step into a deeper level of engagement with uh, our faith, having faith in you and, and not doubting and um, not wavering, but believing and um, and receiving and praying and asking and, and believing and receiving and then forgiving as well and that you would uh, remind us of these of these points and help us to just move deeper into our uh, fellowship with you and so that we will truly be loving you with all of our hearts soul minds and strengths and our neighbors as ourselves so that we can see the kingdom of god come we pray in your name jesus amen